0: You have set your dial to combat sports with Rhino, your first, best, and only all-encompassing combat sports show. We talk boxing. We talk MMA. We talk Muay Thai. We talk kickboxing. We are always just a-talking. So today's episode features some pretty cool stuff. I know we're all struggling without having live fights to talk about, but I think you would be pleasantly surprised with the high-level content that the MMA Twitter crowd has brought. We're going to go ahead and dive right into the pool with our Twitter questions and answers with my beautiful, lovely, talented Twitter question reader, Drea. Drea, let's go ahead and get our first one now. I know it's from our homie, Raging Sweet Potato. And what does Raging Sweet Potato have to ask us today?
1: He says, during this sports hiatus, many of us are re-watching old MMA fights. Since I never really got deep into boxing, what are some classic fights that I should watch?
0: Oh, uh, Raging, that, that warms my heart to get a boxing question right off the bat. My friend, um... Once I read your question, I got three that came to my mind right away. First, Mickey Ward versus Emmanuel Augustus, July 13th, 2001. It is one of the most exciting fights you'll ever see. It was on Friday Night Fights on ESPN. Uh, Teddy Atlas was calling the fight. He was screaming during it. Be like, call your friends. Get them on the phone. Turn into this fight. It's something you've never seen before. It was amazing. It was it was like your, if you think about when you're a kid, like a, like the best part of a boxing movie, it was that, but in real life. So, yes, first one would be Mickey Ward versus Emmanuel Augustus. Second is kind of a close one to my heart because it's two heavyweights uh, who are shorter to the ground. Like, I'm 6'1", and these guys are in my height range, not these monsters who have dominated for the past 20 years. But David Tua versus Ike Ibi- Ibiuchi. I'm not sure if that's the right way to say it, but it's uh from June 7th of 1997, two short, stocky, gnarly fucking heavyweights who hit so hard. They both took so much punishment. Great fight. So again, David Tua, Ike, Ike Ibiuchi from 1997. And the third one, my friend, is my all-time favorite fight I ever watched live. Brandon Rios versus Mikey Alvarado 1. Now, you want to make sure you look up the first one, because they fought three times. Brandon Rios, Mikey Alvarado won. They just basically stood in the middle of the ring and blasted each other the entire fucking time. Spectacular fight. I loved it. I think you'll love at least two, if not all three of those. So check them out. Thank you so much for that question, Rage of Sweet Potato. Hope everything's all uh, all up and good up in uh, beautiful Canada today. So, Drea, our second question comes from my homie, Laura Purple Pants down in Florida. And what did Laura have to ask us today?
1: What was the first UFC card that you paid for, and what was your favorite fight?
0: Oh, Laura, I knew this one right away when I read it. The first UFC card I remember paying for was UFC 40, which was Shamrock and Tito Ortiz one. Uh, I was a big fan at the time. There was a show called the best damn sports show period that was real hot. Um, And I remember watching that and them having Tito on. And I think it was the first time I'd seen a UFC fighter, which I'd already been following the UFC, but it was the first time I saw one kind of on a show that I already watched. So that was kind of a big deal. And then I know it was still kind of in the early days of the, of the websites for MMA, but they were around and there was a lot of like, you know, a lot of hype around this fight. So, yeah, I definitely remember getting UFC 40. Uh, there was just great buildup for it. It was a great experience for my first for my first pay-per-view. Um, to answer your second part of your question, <clears throat> my favorite fight is Robbie Lawler-McDonald II. At no point in that fight did I know who was going to win. There was such heart, skill, back and forth, damage endured. And then there was the, the best part, which was a definitive finish. So you had all the elements that I love in a great fight, a slobber knocker, blood and guts, gnarly fucking action the entire time. Robbie Lawler won, and I like Robbie Lawler better, but a definitive finish. So that's probably my favorite fight, uh, MMA fight of all time. So great question, Laura. Uh, Moving on to our third Twitter question comes from the homie Phil, the MMA dude from the Split Decision podcast. And what did Phil have for us uh, today, Drea? Hey
1: Rhino, last week I said Charles Oliveira will eventually be lightweight champion. Before you laugh, consider this: Habib was, has hinted he only has a few fights left. Tony is almost 37, and Conor appears to enjoy welterweight. Is it really so far-fetched? Let me know.
0: No, dude, I definitely would not laugh at that idea. Uh, it's really, it's really nothing to laugh at. You know, first off, if you have a fighter who has the most submission victories in the history of the promotion, you've got a chance to win versus anybody. Uh, secondly, look at his experience level. Dude, he started at like 20 years old or something like that. And now being 30, he's absolutely someone who's going to have in octagon experience better than whoever he's going to face almost, almost over the entire roster of the UFC. Uh, his ability on the feet has definitely gotten better, which we saw specifically against Kevin Lee, but, the guy is so amazing on the ground. And, yeah, he's got some L's, but, I mean, who has been fighting for 10 years at the highest level doesn't? He's got some great wins over Kevin Lee, Jim Miller, Jeremy Stevens, Darren Elkins, Nick McCartney-Lentz. Um, he, he's a fantastic fighter. I really like Charles Oliveira. I do think Khabib would beat him were they to fight – I don't know what would happen between him and Tony. I would love to see it, but yo, know, I, I think he's definitely someone that after Habib decides to leave, should he leave in the next year or two after a fight or two more, I could definitely see him in the title picture. So no, that's definitely not laughable. I think it's a great, I think it's a great idea and something that we could really look forward to checking out down the road. So thank you so much, Phil. Uh, our fourth question comes from the homie, Serious King at Serious King, and what did Serious ask us today, Drea?
1: Sarah says, now that Tyrone Woodley confirmed him and Colby have agreed to fight at UFC 249, who do you like in that clash?
0: Should this fight actually happen, um, unfortunately, I'd say Colby Covington probably wins seven or eight out of ten times. I can't stand Colby Covington. Anybody who's listening to the show or follows me on Twitter knows. He is my least favorite human being on the UFC roster. Can't stand the guy. Can't stand what he says, but you got to fucking call it what it is. He has better cardio than probably anybody. His forward pressure, his ability to stay on the feet and stay in the pocket in order to try to get you down. Tyron, tyron's very explosive he's more explosive than colby he could still knock colby out which is why i give him if they were to fight 10 times tyron probably wins two or three i'm thinking because he just catches him with something devastating and puts him down and puts him out but i think literally i think colby wins seven or eight out of ten times so i'd have to go with colby covington getting the w on this one as much as it pains me to say I got to go Colby Covington. So, serious, thank you so much. Keep the food porn going on the TL. I love that shit every week. And thank you so much for the question. Our next one comes from the homie Mixed Man, Ryan Mixed Man from up in Minnesota. And uh, what what does what Minnesota have us worth today, Andrea?
1: The homie Mixed Man, he says, UFC 100 to 200, what are your top events and fighters of that era?
0: Yeah, this is a great question, dude. Um, the the first one that came to when I was thinking about this was uh, UFC 116, which was Lesnar versus Shane Carwin. First of all, everyone knows I'm a heavyweight fighter. I'm a heavyweight stan. I love, love, love heavyweight fights. Uh, I thought that Brock Lesnar had kind of gotten kind of easy, you know, kind of the easy road. Obviously not the first Frank Mir, but he got some pretty easy fights. And uh, I thought that taking it off of Randy, who looked like, a middleweight standing next to Brock. And then you get, then you got Shane Garwin, who was every bit as big, strong, powerful, great wrestler as well. I liked the buildup for the fight. I really enjoyed that card. And Shane was kicking his ass until he gassed out. And then Brock, <clears throat> unfortunately defended the title again. But so that was a great one. I love that one. There was also a couple of under appreciated fights on that undercard. You had Chris Lieben, uh, getting a short notice fight against Sexy Yama and winning. And then Stephen Bonner versus Christoph Shoshinsky was a fucking barn burner. I loved that one. Uh, so, yeah, that fight, that fight card was definitely one that I can remember from that era as being one that I really liked. Uh, another one from that would have been UFC 173, which was Henan Burrell versus TJ Dillashaw. Not talking about TJ Dillashaw now, okay? We're not talking about EPO Dillashaw. We're not talking about the snake. Well, this is all before that, right? This is when I knew who he was. I didn't think that Henan Burrell was beatable at that point, and most of the fucking other MMA you know, journalists didn't think so either because and Burrell looked like he was going to be one of those guys, like a Jose Aldo or like a Anderson Silva, someone who was going to like dominate the division for a long time to come. He was a TJ was a massive underdog versus Henan Burrell, and he put on a masterclass and beat Henan Burrell's ass from pillar to post and stopped him eventually in the end, of, towards the end of the fight. Beautiful, beautiful fight. I really loved it. Um. And there was also on that card was when DC manhandled Hendo and then Robbie Lawler just smashed Jake Ellenberger. I love that whole card, but particularly the main event. So that was another one. And then I think these are not going to surprise anybody. This part of the question you asked buddy about like, who were like the fighters of this era. Definitely got to go with GSP, Jose Aldo, Anderson Silva, the young John Jones, of course, Dennis, might or Dennis, <laughs> of course, Dimitri, this mighty Mouse Johnson and Frankie Edgar would be who I would pick. But then a special shout out to Cain Velasquez for ending Brock's very short title reign in that time as well. So, yeah, great question, Mixta. Um, yeah, we'll move on to our Drea's Drop of the Night now. One of our favorite segments of the show, Drea's Drop of the Night. So, Drea, what do we have for your Drop of the Night this week?
1: Okay, so first off, shout out to Deja for organizing the UFC 199 Twitter watch party last night. Watch. So I'm going to go ahead and pull my drop of the night from that card, and it 100% goes to the fucking champ, Michael Bisping. Uh, I swear I could totally watch Luke Rockhold get dropped like that every day for the rest of my life and tired of it <laughs> so Michael you're the fucking man and thank you for that
0: <laughs> Left hook Larry lived up to his moniker that night that's for god dang sure so yeah just like you Dre I was uh doing the watch party of UFC 199 last night as well but I was also kind of flipping back and forth between that and Wrestlemania but I made sure I watched Luke Rockhold get fucking slapped by the whole right. And how cool by the way, I hope Michael listens to this. How cool has Michael been as of late? I've gotten retweeted, interact with him. You have. Dave I know has. it's
1: awesome. I <clears> love <throat> it. I love how he's interacting with um, you know, with all the fans on MMA Twitter. It's 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 cool to see
0: big shout out to Michael Bisping for that. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's a great drop of the night. I, I don't think anybody's going to argue with that one. So yeah, that's uh that's a perfect way to end that segment. So Drea, once again, thank you so much for, uh, for being on this week. We love having you. We love your segments and we will talk to you later. We'll talk to you later next week.
1: All right. See you next week.
0: Later. Alrighty, fight fans. Now we're gonna move into our calling questions, and I know our first one comes from the homie Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast and D-Rains, my engineer. What does Juice have for us today? Rhino, what's going on? It's Juice. Got a question for you. What MMA fighter has the worst tattoos, and which MMA fighter has the best tattoos? And since you love boxing so much. And you already gave me one match to watch. That was Rios versus Alvarado 1, I believe. Um, And that wasn't cutting it. But what is another one? No, no. Better question. Fuck that one. (laughs) This quarantine has scrambled my brain. What's the best boxing movie of all time that's not Rocky? Or fucking answer them all. I mean, I whatever he wants, is your show. I mean, I'm just rambling at this point till I get to the minute uh, cutoff. But uh, love you, love the show. Ah, uh, the homie Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. If you guys haven't checked it out, definitely do. He is, a, he is a singer, he is a performer, he is an accent aficionado. Love the homie Juice. So Juice, the worst tattoo in the history of fucking UFC tattoos is, without a doubt, for me, is Alan Belcher, dude, that that johnny cash slash kind of looks like roy orbison slash kind of looks like some sort of terrible caricature you had done on the beach you know by some guys so alan belcher definitely has the worst tattoo uh the best tattoos are the ones that i really like are the like the polynesian ones like brad tavares has like max Blessed holloway uh kendall grove has some very cool ones yeah i really like the the Polynesian tattoos, so those are my favorites. Um, and my favorite non-Rocky boxing movie is 1,000% Raging Bull. As uh, first of all, it's a biopic, which I love. So you have, you know, there's a realness to it. De Niro is fucking Bob De Niro, man. I mean, my God, how good is he? And then what a crazy life story of Jake LaMotta. It's an amazing movie from start to finish. So definitely, definitely, Raging Bull is my favorite non-Rocky boxing movie for sure. Uh, Our next voice question comes from the homie Dave Fretz and the combat source with Rhino, little homie Judah. uh, The mascot, little homie Judah. What do they got for us today, Dave?
2: Hey, Rhino. It's uh, Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz, not Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram. I've got somebody here that wants to say hello. Hi. That's Judah. He's uh, in the middle of playing some really intense Minecraft there. So this week's question is just going to be from me. I'm going to switch gears here, move from MMA over to boxing, and I want to ask you about um, what's sort of the defining match or fight of your career, not of your career, during your life that sort of switched you on to having a career in boxing? What drove you to boxing? What's a match that you remember growing up watching that you thought, you saw that and thought, hey, I, I want to do that. I totally want to do that. Anyways, man, hope you're keeping well, safe, stay safe, stay home, stay inside. Peace out. Well,
0: first off, hi, Judah. Hi, buddy. Hope you're having a good day. And Dave Fretz, I know exactly what it was. 1985, it was Hagler versus Hearns, otherwise known as The War. They were both champions. Hearns coming up from junior middle, Hagler at middleweight the champion. And being from the Detroit area, like, Thomas Hearns is from Detroit, and he had tons of advertising going on, not only the radio, but TV. This is way before the Internet. So even in magazines and stuff and in the newspaper, Tommy Hearns, this fight was everywhere. So cut to 1985, cut to the fight. I watched it with my dad. Uh, It was only three rounds, but it was three rounds of just nonstop action. Both guys hit the canvas. Both guys get fucking opened up and bloody. Uh, it was a nonstop blood and guts blitzkrieg war. I, I knew I loved the sport from that point on. I still loved pro wrestling because I still kind of believed in it, but I also had heard from enough people that it wasn't exactly real. So when I saw boxing in a fight like that for the first time as a little guy, it really left an impression on me. I knew I wanted to try it at some point. I didn't realize it was going to be, you know, you know, 20-something odd years later, and I would eventually – turn pro and do it from the to the pro for like 13 years but yeah that fight left a huge impression on me i'm still a tommy hearns fan to this day Uh, i've got several pictures with him i've been fortunate enough to meet him several times so yeah dude definitely Hagler versus hearns 1985 that fight was very poignant for little rhino and now folks before we move into our shout outs and ending of the show our outro if you will I'm actually going to do a new segment this week. Um, We actually – we had an interview lined up, and I'm not going to call anybody out or anything like that, but unfortunately that fell through kind of last minute. So I think I'm going to have two interviews for next week. So stay tuned for that. But – so since we don't have an interview for today, I'm going to do a new segment called Highs and Lows – in the career of the old Rhino. (laughs) So I figured I'll share one quick story of something that was really cool over my pro career. And then one that was not so cool just to balance it out. So we'll start with the, we'll start with the bad, Uh, a career low light for the old Rhino was the time that I got stopped with a sternum shot. Um, I was fighting this another humongous heavyweight and we were bucking and scrapping and having a really good fight uh, towards the end of the first round. He got me with something, put me back into the corner And I put my guard up, and he just hit me square in the fucking sternum, put me to my knees. I went down on all fours. I felt like my soul had been ripped out of my body. I couldn't. I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was gonna puke, and I felt like I was gonna pass out all at once. Um, so, I, and I had never been really hurt by a body shot before. So, yeah, dude, he hit me straight in the sternum. I spit up some blood. It was not a good day. So that is the career one of the career lowlights that I'll share on this new segment with uh with yeah with you guys. And then a highlight would be the first time that I. Uh, clean KO'd somebody. Uh, I'm not going to tell you which fight it was. It was very early in my pro career, but the first time I clean KO'd somebody was a uh, perfectly timed overhand right off of his jab, hit him clean, put him to the canvas, put him to sleep. And then thankfully he came to about 15, 18 seconds later, but it was it was my first clean KO. Like I'd stopped of guys in the amateurs um, who went down enough or whatever, but never knocked anybody clean out. So that was my first clean KO. I fucking loved it. It was one of those feelings. It's really hard to describe. Definitely a career highlight. So, um, yeah, so this will be kind of a segment where we'll do something different on the rare occasion where we don't have a guest. So, yeah, that was the new segment for this week, the highs and lows with the old Combat Sports with Rhino show. So, we are now careening towards the end of our show. I have got my shout-outs to Give. Big shout-outs to Juice. Dave Frets, and by the way, folks, when I post this, check out the new graphic design that Dave has for my show that Dave Frets put together. What a cool fucking thing. The rhino inside of a cage with fans, very, very slick, dude. Really great job. If you want that kind of work or anything else, either for your shoes or for a shirt or for your website or anything like that, Get a hold of Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz or at Solo Shoes. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. The guy is the Einstein of graphic design. So thank you, Dave, and the Combat Sports with Rhino mascot Judah. Thank you so much, Raging Sweet Potato, for your question today, man. That was awesome. Laura Purple Pants, your question mixed to yours. Serious. Phil the MMA. Thank you guys so much for, for taking the time to write and to call in on today's episode. Uh, to my other homies in the rhino gang, Jim Assoon, Unsolicited, Genghis, Ken. Drew Jitsu, Mr. B, Marquise from Weak Sauce Radio, Antonio, Frazier, Kim Kloss, Mike from OTV, and the ladies, G from OTV, Ashley the MMA Nerd, Chelsea and Delilah for the TKO Podcast, Deja Pulse Pulse, Pulse Pokemama, Pixie Dust, Cat, Megan, Atlanta Brown, and as always, the Twitter, que- Twitter Queen, I'm i to call her that, the Twitter Question Queen, Drea and my main man my engineer the homie d reigns for holding it down week after week Couldn't do the show without you guys. Love it. Love all the fans. Love all my friends MMA Twitter, again, we are going through some shit right now, but we will get through the end of it. We will get to the end of the tunnel. There is a light. Stick together. Be kind to each other. Be kind to your friends and family. Be kind on social media. It's the best way we can go about things. So, thank you so much for tuning in to this a little bit shorter version of the Combat Swords with Rhino show today. And we love, love, love you. And we'll see you next week, K-Side.